Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The more details we get on what the Ravens are willing to give and what Lamar Jackson seems to want, the less likely anybody can feel confident in whatever the resolution might be. And usually in situations like this, there's only one resolution, a parting of ways. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We played it for you earlier, as Lewis Riddick explained really, uh, really well, that the fact is most of the time in these situations, things resolve by everybody parting ways. And the question becomes, then what? Well, Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst, joins the show right now. And Lewis, yesterday you said resolution is usually a trade. What I would love to know is for you as a GM, would you trade for him, giving the multiple first round picks and the fully guaranteed money if you were running a team? You're talking about Lamar Jackson, I assume? Yes. Okay, yes. I would trade for him. (laughs) Simple as that. Um, Look, I think Lamar, at this point in his career, has pretty much done everything that the Baltimore Ravens have asked. And he has shown the ability to do everything that I think an NFL offense would ask. This is not a one-trick pony as some ignorant Jack asses like to say he is not some, a running back playing quarterback. He is not someone who is not uh, who has not been um, exposed to a pro style offense working from under center, three, five, seven step drops, design boots, rollouts, full field reach. He's doing all that at Louisville. He's doing all of that at Louisville. Pull out the Louisville tape uh, against North Carolina his last year in college. Watch it. Watch him throw the football from the pocket. Watch his footwork. Watch his reads. Watch his accuracy. He can do all that stuff. I understand why they used him the way they used him in Baltimore and why Greg Roman developed an offense to kind of really take advantage of the one aspect of his game that was ahead of the other, which was his pure athletic ability as far as running the football. But the guy can throw the football, and he's been exposed to the kind of offense that they're going to ultimately run in Baltimore now under Todd Monk. That being said, if they can't come to fair value for him as he sees it and as they see it, you have to move on. You have to move on. And I think part of the long game with them changing offensive coordinators was the fact that, look, one, they wanted to evolve his game, uh, Lamar's, and they wanted to evolve the offense. But also, what if it ha- so happens that we can't come to a contract resolution? We can't still run the same offense with Greg Rome. We don't have the same people. We don't have the same quarterback that can make it as dynamic as it would be under Lamar. We have to become a little bit more multiple and a little bit more, I'll just say multiple, in terms of the run in the past game. And maybe they didn't believe that Greg could do that and they wanted to go in a different direction with someone who has done that in the past, that being Todd Monken, especially if Lamar isn't there, if they can't come to terms on a contract. So now, if you fast forward it to now, if you're the New York Jets, considering that you believe that you are a veteran quarterback, a veteran playmaker at the quarterback position away from being a not only a player in the AFC uh, East, but in the AFC and the NFL overall, why wouldn't you go all in? And I mean truly all in to try and acquire him if it just so happens that you're able to get involved with that. Of course you would. I would. I definitely would. 
and, and he's worth it. He's worth it not only on the football field with his skill set and what he brings to the table. He's worth it in terms of being someone who you'd be who, that you would be able to put maximum trust in if you were to give him a record-setting guaranteed contract like Baltimore gave Deshaun Watson. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Why do you think Lamar, based on present reporting and updated reporting, wanted guaranteed money that not only matched but exceeded exceeded Deshaun Watson? Why do you think he wanted that? Why do you think he thinks he's deserving of that? Because he's like, I bring half of the BS with me that this guy brought with him to Cleveland. And I'm an MVP. I'm a freaking MVP. And you're telling me that that's just an outlier and you're going to throw it out the window and that we're not going to use that as a comparable when it comes to trying to you know, establish fair value for me? You just want to throw that conveniently out the window because people want to say, oh, that's just Cleveland. That's just Jimmy Haslam. They're just desperate. They don't know what they're doing. Let's, ex- let's exclude them and let's use everyone else's. Con- no. I would do the same thing he's doing. I'm, I would be like, hell no, you're not throwing that contract out. I'm using that. I'm using that to establish where I think I should come in, and he should use it. And that's why I think ultimately, if the reporting about all this is accurate, I think that I think that this is going to come to this is going to eventually have to come to him not being there, and them having to move on and, and really recoup a king's ransom in terms of draft capital back. I think that's what it's coming to. And Lewis, I got to ask you, what would Lamar getting guaranteed money mean for Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and those guys this offseason? Oh, it's just, it's just up to Danny, man. It ups to Danny. Look, I've already said, I said this yesterday, Joe Burrow's contract is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, Jalen Hurts is – Jeffrey Lurie said before the Super Bowl, Harry, he said before the Super Bowl, win or lose, you don't have to prove anything to me. He's already proven that he's the face of this franchise, and they will pay him accordingly. Justin Herbert's going to get his too. Joe, Joe, Joe's the one. Joe's the one that's really going to be crazy now. It, it, it's just going to be. It just is. And you know what? Deservedly so for all these guys. You understand. We all understand how it works. We all understand that the Andy just keeps going up for guys who are good people off the field. Guys who raise the level of people around them on the field. Guys who are durable. Guys who can stay on the field. Guys who the fan base loves. Guys who put people's butts in the seats. All of those guys are that. All of those guys represent that. Lamar Jackson represents that. And you know what's even more interesting? You, you, we do understand the kind of bargain, bargain, that the Kansas City Chiefs have struck with the contract that Patrick Mahomes is currently playing under. Mm-hmm. That's a bargain. <laughs> They're stealing from him. Oh, it's uh, the quarterback market's about to be wild. We're talking to Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst, Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. Lewis, I've heard you have some uh, strong comments on Eric Bieniemy that have been really smart. Uh, he was introduced by the commanders as their new offensive coordinator today. What could Bieniemy do in Washington that would change the mind of, un- of NFL owners specifically? Well, what, what can he control? He can control... Um, who gets the credit for what hopefully is Washington taking and making a jump in terms of their offensive output and offensive efficiency and the way these players play individually and obviously collectively. He would stand to reap the benefits of that where people could not sit there and ignorantly argue, well, it's not really you, it's Eric. it's Andy Reid. Well, that play call probably wasn't really you. That had to be Andy because he was the one who was talking in the headset at that time, not you. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, 
they would just they couldn't deny him the credit. Now, does that still mean, Jason, that they have to hire him? That they couldn't point to some other factor as to being the reason why? There's, of course, meritocracy only to a point. Okay, it's it's only a, it's only a meritocracy to a point. At some point, it's still about personal preference. It's still about I can do what I want to do. There's no law that says I have to hire him. There's no mandate that says I have to hire him. There's no mandate that says I have to hire anybody. I can talk all I want about the need for equal representation in the coaching ranks, but at the end of the day, I can hire who I want. So what it does is it, it, it allows him to get his ducks in a row as far as trying to eliminate all those things, all those obstacles, that all those goalposts that people like uh, put in front of him and say, well, you need to kick it through this one and this one and this one. You need to do this. It, it eliminates some of that. But in the end, it doesn't guarantee him anything. But as he said, as he said, comfort is the enemy of progress. He's comfortable in Kansas City. I would be too with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the team that Brett Beach, the GM, has built there. But he knows in order for him to really progress, he's going to have to get uncomfortable. And who boy, is he going to be uncomfortable in Washington? <laughs> At least in the short term. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of balls up in the air there, starting at the very, very top. At the very, which is something he never has had to worry about in Kansas City ever. But with great risk comes great reward, and he's willing to take it. And I commend him for it, and we need to support him for it. And I, that, that's a situation that we're going to be all be watching very, very closely. The only thing I worry about there is if it doesn't work out, and he's not able to have the kind of success that you hope that he can have. There will be people and a large swath of people who will not objectively look at that and consider all factors in with, you know, with the proper context. They will simply go, that's why you weren't hired before. Well, you're a thousand. For their own selfish reasons. And I hate that. I hate the fact that that could possibly happen. I hate that too, though, Lewis, because we've had guys who went on to be head coaches and did a terrible job. And now they have other mm-hmm. jobs elsewhere. And at mm-hmm. some point, there will be more conversations about those guys getting another head coaching job. Yeah. So that's why I do of hate course. that for Eric B. Enemy. Yeah, yeah. And hey, look, man. Let's see, Harry. Look, I mean, people, you, you know, there, there are those who believe that this has nothing to do with race. And look, I'm, I'm not one of those who's going to solely point to and or accuse people in the National Football League owners of being. Of, of using that against it. I'm not one of those people who does that. I mean, obviously the numbers aren't good enough. The representation isn't good enough. So for whatever reason, it needs to, that, that that's the case. It needs to be rectified. Okay. It, it, it just simply does. But what bothers me a lot, obviously, is the fact that there are some people who just won't acknowledge the fact that Racism, racial bias, the tendency for people to gravitate towards their own, be uncomfortable with people who don't have the same kind of backgrounds, don't look like them, however you want to term it. The people who don't want to acknowledge that that exists. It exists. It's real. It's happening. Racism is real. It's happening. It's, it's, it's there. Whether it's something that's so damn obvious you can't ignore it or whether it's something that's kind of like flies under the radar, but it's there. That's what bothers me. I hate that. I hate that there are people going, stop being a race baiter. Stop trying to turn this into black and white. I'm like, I'm not trying to. You really think I want to turn it into that? You really think I want to, I want to like lean on that kind of crap 
do you really think that me, and I'm talking about me now, me as a black man, do you really think I want to, like, like, have to deal with that kind of crap all the time, whether it's with me, myself, and my own in career pursuits or me trying to support others? you really think we, we, we choose to have to want to deal with that kind of mess? We didn't make it up. It's not something that came out of thin air. This isn't some conspiracy theory. This isn't something. This isn't some flat earth theory. We're just kind of pulling this out of our rear end and going, hey, you know what? Let's just come up with this whole idea that people could kind of judge me based on my skin color. How does that sound? Woohoo! Let's just try that. No, this stuff has happened. Yeah. There's a long history of it having happened. So accept it and deal with it, especially when it seems like maybe that that's the case. And how can we help eliminate it? That kind of will for ignorance burns me up more than anything. And there's so much of it in this freaking, you know, society that it's just like, it's amazing. It's amazing how no matter what comment I make or anyone else makes about Eric Bianami or any other minority who you deem to be qualified to have a certain role but isn't getting it. Whenever the the concept about the lack of representation comes up, there are people going, you're just race baiting. You're just race bait. Maybe he doesn't interview well. Maybe they don't like his past. Maybe they don't like how he how he connects with players. I've heard that he yells at players too much. They'll just start moving these goalposts all over the place, coming up with all these BS reasons. It's so bad, man. But you know what? When he when he was talking today, and I'm sorry to keep rambling about this, but I'm real passionate about this. When he was talking today at his press conference, the cool thing about EB was this. I can't control all of that. Although you know he has had his time where he's probably sounded just like me about talking about his own career path. But he said today, I'm just going to control what I can control. I have a great opportunity. I'm not afraid of being uncomfortable. I embrace it. I embrace the challenge. And we should embrace supporting him and cheering for him and offering us, offering his assistance. And hopefully he'll get what he wants in the end. As always, my friend, we appreciate your brilliance on this, and we'll continue to try and provide the context that is important in these conversations. Thanks for hanging out with us, Lewis. Absolutely. Thanks. Lewis Riddick joining us. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. One thing that happened in sports last night that surprised many of us, but should it? We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. James Harris was the first African-American quarterback to begin an NFL season as a starter. In 1969, he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills and was seventh on the depth chart to open training camp. But by the beginning of that season, he was named the starter and in 1974 was selected to the Pro Bowl. Black History Always, celebrating Black History Month on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Now, I know a lot of you aren't paying a ton of attention to college basketball right now. It's almost March, but it's not quite March. But if you have paid any attention this season, you know how good Alabama has been. They're currently number two. Last night, they get a 78-76 win in Columbia. 
a win against South Carolina that was not without controversy, as obviously uh, much is being said at this point about Brandon Miller, uh, who played last night, scored a career-high 41 points, including the game winner, but is also part of an active uh, ongoing trial at this point, an investigation around a murder. I want to be very clear here. What we are going to do is give you the information that we have as best we can to set up exactly what's going on here. So we know that uh, the that uh, University of Alabama Athletics continues to cooperate fully with law enforcement in the ongoing investigation of their tragic situation, the school said in a statement. Based on all the information we've received, Brandon Miller is not considered a suspect in this case only a cooperative witness. It's an important thing for everybody to know in this situation. Brandon Miller's attorney has put out a very long statement stating what they believe the facts are in this case. There are several different layers to this that will continue. All of this happens because, in part, during the process of this trial and the investigation, on Tuesday, Tuscaloosa Detective Brandon Culpepper testified that Miller uh, brought now former teammate Darius Miles' gun to him on the night of the shooting death of 23-year-old Jamea Janae Harris after Miles asked him to do so via a text message. Miles has since been removed from the Crimson Tide men's basketball program, and Michael Lynn Davis faced capital murder charges in the death of Harris, who was shot and killed near campus in the early morning hours of January 15th. Miles admitted to providing the gun used in the shooting, according to the investigators, but said Davis fired the weapon. So... That's as much as we know. Miller has not been charged with the crime. Tuscaloosa Chief Deputy District Attorney Paula Whitley told AL.com that, quote, there's nothing we could charge Miller with. So that is the information that we have on hand. Now, how did the university decide to allow Brandon Miller to continue playing? Because obviously that's a conversation the university needs to have. Well, Greg Byrne, the athletic at, uh, director for Alabama, was on the ESPN College Game Day podcast with uh, Reese Davis, and this was his answer to that very question. It was ongoing from the get-go when when the incident happened. It was conversation between myself, Nate Oates, conversation with myself and the president. We have legal counsel involved for the university. We have our different offices within the university that are at least aware of it. And so we had normal conversations like we do for other issues. And that information was shared collectively. And collectively, we decided that Brandon was able to play. Well, I'll say from... My viewpoint fits. I think the best thing in this whole ordeal is for Brandon Miller at this moment right now not to play games. And I think that's just being sensitive to Jamia De- um, Harris and her and her family on, on the tragedy that, that occurred. But also it doesn't open up Pandora's box from what we seen last night during the basketball game of people for South Carolina chanting lock him up and things of that stature. Um, I think there there has to be some sensitivity um, to what occurred and what happened. And I think the best thing right now in my eyes is for Brandon Miller not to play. Um, nothing personal against him, but just I think that's the best thing for overall at this moment. I think there's a really difficult portion of this because I would usually say in these situations, transparency is everything. But when it's an open criminal investigation and you're going through the process of a trial, transparency is not easy to to actually have. To your point, one rule they teach us in radio, for example, is you never get in trouble for what you don't say. So if I sit in front of a microphone and I don't say anything, I won't get in trouble for it as opposed to saying the wrong thing. 
in this situation, I agree with you. I think part of the difficulty in deciding to let him play is that you have at least cracked open the door to questions about why he's playing. Now, certainly there have been no charges filed against him, and I can see why he wants to be on the court. And Alabama's the number two team in the country with a very real shot at a national championship. But, uh, Harry, you got to be careful in these situations to make sure you're not putting the brand of the school at risk. You're not putting people at risk. You're also not putting perception at risk. There's all of these things. Even if you've investigated and you feel that there's nothing that needs to be done here, it's still... A, a difficult look. I think there's a lot that goes into that part of it. Yeah, and, and and sometimes you have to step outside of your box, right? Even though you know Alabama and their side of things, they they may feel like Brandon should be on the court. Sometimes you know the right thing to do is is for him just not to play. And I and and it's like that sometimes, right? And I just seen him last night, and he scored 41 points, and was the reason why the game got sitting overtime, and he was the reason why the game was actually won, uh, but. We also talk about a life that was lost here, right? And, and there still is an on, uh, ongoing investigation. So I think the best thing for the entire situation is for him not to play right now. Yeah, life being lost should never be turned into a chant someone uses in a basketball game. This is just a really difficult situation for everybody involved, most importantly. But can I say this yeah, really course. quick, too? Um, I also want people and fans for other teams to, uh, to understand the situation that's going on. Like, because I, 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 I'm not cool with, you know, the chanting and lock him up during the game and whatever, you know, chance they were making uh, within the situation that transpired, the tragedy that transpired. I'm not cool with that either. So I'm also telling fans, like, can y'all be sensitive to, to what, what took place and what happened as well? Yeah, life was lost, and that's more important than anything will ever be said or done in a college basketball uh, game. That, that is for sure. Uh, we will keep you updated on every breaking development we get on this story. We will do our best to move, as you know, if you've listened to the show, uh, to happy times and fun things that make you laugh along the way while we talk about sports. But this was too important not to make sure we updated everybody. We will keep you updated on this information. In the meantime, Fitz and Harry continues next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. John Schiffern on ESPN on the call there. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you not only here together on radio, but we're both big parts of the the ESPN XFL coverage you cannot miss. Harry, you're headed to my city. You're headed to Vegas. Uh, you're going to see the opening uh, opening game, first home game for the Vegas Vi- Vipers at Cashman Field. Uh, you're going to be in my town. I, I, you know, I didn't get the invite, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, your game is on Saturday, right? Yep, I'm excited too. Okay, you'll be uh, you'll be hanging out there. Uh, you can check out XFL today, our digital show, uh, the only show that you can get that'll give you highlights and set up every single week. This week's show is on Sunday, six thirty p.m. Eastern in the ESPN app and on all the digital platforms. Fitz and Harry brought to you by Wendy's, two for six bucks, the best deal in fast food. Speaking of the best, De'Ara King. D.C. Defenders quarterback joining us right now. Derek, thanks for the time, man. Uh, week one in the books. What were your thoughts? How did it feel to be out there with the XFL? Yeah, it felt great. You know, I had a really good time. The game was really fun, and I was just, you know, happy to get the dub. 
Now, Derek, I got to ask you, man, you had two rushing touchdowns in that ga- game last week versus Seattle. You had another long run that was negated by a penalty. Uh, how did you like your offensive line? How did those guys play? And how comfortable are you with, within the offense to be able to do, do some of those things moving forward as well? Yeah, I, I think the offensive line played great. Um, they played good for us all night. They opened a lot of holes for their running backs and myself to run through. Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable right now. Uh, you know, it's week one, so the biggest jump in the season is always week one and week two. So I'm just looking to get better and you know, look at, continue to get you know, gel with this offense and see how far we can take this thing. It's interesting to me, too, Dear, because there are so few practices to get ready for it, right? So, you know, I think 15 practices and all of a sudden you're out on the field and the whole world's watching with the pressure of not just play good football, but play good football for a new league, right? Like, so how, how has the process been for you guys coming together with that limita- those limitations practice-wise? Yeah, it's been good. You know, we started with about 90 guys, now we're already on 51. So in those five weeks that we had, 50 practices, we try to just, you know, do the best we can to, you know, to learn everything as fast as possible and you know, find children before the game. Um, I think our coaches have done a really good job of preparing us all week. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, play professional or play big-time college football. So it's, it's, the, same, it's the same ball everywhere. Um, you got to prepare. You got to go out there and perform on Saturday or Sunday. Now, the starting quarterback of the D.C. Defenders, Jordan Ta'amu, you guys have a unique relationship. Can you get into the ins and outs and how you guys get along with one another? Yeah, you know, Jordan's a great guy, first of all. I think that's important. Uh, I mean, it makes each other better. So at practice, you know, when I'm in, he's not in, he's in, I'm not in. We try to help each other out, tell each other everything that we see. Um, and we try to do the best for the team. So, you know, whoever's in, that's two teams it is at that moment. And uh, we're going to support each other through everything. What's the trash talk like? Because you guys are in one hub. For anyone that doesn't know, everybody's in one hub in Arlington, you know, training together. Obviously, you're separated through some of that training process. But, like, uh, what do your relationships get growing like, not just with your teammates, but other guys that are in the XFL that might be playing for other teams? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's growing really fast. You know, football is a small world. So I know a bunch of these guys on different teams. Um, for example, Deontay Anderson, their they're safety uh, for the Vegas team, he's one of my best friends. So I've been talking to him all week, you know, talking a little trash. But uh, I think, you know, just relationships in football, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. You know, lifelong relationships, they know that they'll last forever. Now, something else that's unique about you, you know, on the side, you, you, you're involved with commercial real estate. Talk about, it, talk about that a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, so I, I started real commercial real estate five, six months ago. Um, Really good mentor of mine, two mentors of mine, uh, Jacob and Adam. You know, they, they taught me a lot. Um, you know, it's a, a area I was always interested in. You know, growing up, my dad did real estate. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning a lot as I go. Um, but, you know, ho- hoping to take that, you know, pretty far, you know, especially after the season is over with. You also had a lot of business success with NIL, one of the, one of the pioneers, really, as the rules started to change yeah. at Miami. Uh, how much conversation are you having with current college players about how to land, manage that landscape? Yeah, I'm talking a lot. Um, you know, I still have a lot of teammates that's still in college that's, you know, starting to get a lot of money now. So it's, it's kind of different when I was there. You know, I, I did well for myself, but now it's, it's, it's wild now, you know. So <laughs> I just try to, you know, help those guys <laughs> if they have any questions, you know, um, you know how to invest, how to save. Um, but also, you know, you got to enjoy yourself, man. I think, you know, football is really hard. And, you know, I think it's great that those guys get to, you know, reap the benefits of, you know, a lot of people before them. Now, this is, this is the biggest question of this entire interview. The biggest one in my eyes, which is a better city, H-Town in Houston, Texas, or the MIA, Miami, Florida? 
man, I got to go with Houston. Man, I love Miami. It's my second home, but Houston is just different. Um, but I, I also think it depends on what you like. I'm a laid-back, chill type of guy, so, like, you know, I love the city of Houston. It's a little bit of everything out there, diverse. Um, but, you know, Miami is my second home, so I can't talk. I can't say anything bad about Miami either. I mean, y'all talking about, like, Vegas isn't in this conversation. I'm the guy from Vegas on this show. Like, Vegas is better than all of them, right? I mean, let's just be honest I don't here. Know about that one. Oh, man. Oh, this is, you know, here we are trying to be. I don't think, I don't think it's even close, honestly. Vegas and Houston, not even close to me. Oh, man. Was... Yeah, I've, been to, I've been to Vegas a lot of times. I love Vegas, too, you know. So. Here's the thing you need to know. Harry's probably like Harry's going to be out on the sidelines, hanging out, going through this whole game. And before you know it, he's going to be like trying to put cleats on and just get in the game, start running around. So if he does, just keep him healthy. I need my radio co-host every day, man. Congrats on the you. XFL, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Congrats on the success. Uh, I mean, I- I'm a Vegas guy, so I'm rooting against you this week. But it's all love, man. It's all love. Yeah. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Yeah, appreciate you. And I love away games. It feel like us versus the world. I love that. So <laughs> let's get it. Oh man, going to be interesting too, Harry, because you'll be there, Cashman Field uh, again. Yeah. Like uh, that, this is a non-traditional host for the XFL out in Vegas because so many of the you know football games are allegiance, and these games going to be a little more locally based, which I think is actually really cool to get in the locals uh, involved in it. That's going to be a, a while. That should be a heck of a, a heck of a game this weekend. We all know the game isn't over till it's over. So next time you need parts for your car, don't call it quits. Go to eBay Motors. They have 120 million parts to take your car into overtime. Get the right parts at the right prices ebaymotors.com let's ride all right coming up one nfl team has a ton of pressure to get to the super bowl this offseason and they might be running it back with an unproven quarterback we'll tell you about it next fitz and harry on espn radio fitz and harry the podcast Fitz and Harry. Were you nervous to toot? No, I completely trusted the toot. Completely trusted the toot. There would be no... <laughs> How do you know what I'm about to ask you? <laughs> because you're a man asking you, another man. How do you know? Did you... Yeah, no, I did not. Okay, so, so you 100% knew that, you know, nothing else was going to come out. Right. And the only, there, there were two, there were three things I was sure of. One, that there would be no accident involved with the two. <laughs> two, the two was not going to be nasal friendly at all. And three, and this is probably pretty important to the Discord, while I'm running that hard, there's no way I can keep it from being allowed to. So it's like, I mean, the music's pumping. It's, I just have the exclusive audio of what it would have sounded like if you, if you did. Okay, go ahead. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> The important note there is that I did not toot on the treadmill, but now I know that I'm allowed to in the future. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I don't know what the 49ers are thinking. I'm not sure what their plan is, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but at this point, the swelling in Brock Purdy's elbow has yet to reduce to the point where they can actually do his surgical procedure. So now it's being scheduled for early March, which means the absolute best-case scenario is that he is back uh, by late August. I mean, if you don't believe me, Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter on NFL Live, gave us the timeline for Purdy's surgical recovery. 
you mentioned the inflammation that is delaying this surgery, certainly something that 49ers and Purdy would have liked to already have addressed because there is a six-month recovery from this surgery. Now, I, I want to point out, though, just because there's a six-month recovery to the point where he probably will be participating at full strength with the team, he could still resume throwing three months after the surgery takes place and then slowly kind of progress himself back to full strength. And if you do kind of push that timeline out from March, that would be around August, so he could still conceivably be there in time for the start of the season. I mean, that's a lot of risk at this point, Harry. That just feels like they're putting a lot on the plate of that little tendon being perfectly fine. Did someone say the Trey Lance show? Because that's what it's going to be, especially early on for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this has also allowed Trey Lance another opportunity to get in there and showcase his talents and show that, hey, I can lead this football team. I can get us to where we need to be. Because I, I, by any stretch of imagination, I can't even think of Brock Purdy being the starting quarterback if he's going to be ready by what, late August? I mean, yeah, late August, best case scenario, if there's no setback, right? Like With a UCL injury. With a UCL injury. I don't, I don't see that happening, but this is news. And you never, as a teammate, you never want anybody on your team to get hurt. But if you're Trey Lance and you're competing um, and you want to play and you haven't been able to you know, go out there a full season and show what you can do, this is news to you that's, that's, you know, has your antennas up a little bit more because now this is your opportunity to get back in the door and really show everyone that, hey, you could be the leader of the San Francisco 49ers from the quarterback position. Yeah, but let's also remember, as uh, was pointed out yesterday on SportsCenter, last year Tom Brady threw more passes than Trey Lance has thrown just last year than Trey Lance has thrown in his entire football career in college and the NFL combined. Like, there's just so little proof of concept for Trey. Like, I want Trey no, Lance to no, be no, great. No, 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 no. This, this, this is what I'm saying. This is the opportunity, though, for Trey Lance. Because when Brock Purdy got in there and he started playing, first of all, when Trey Lance got hurt this season, then Jeremy Garoppolo came in. Everyone was saying, well, thank God they had Jeremy Garoppolo. Right? Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And then Brock Purdy went 7-1 and as a starter with his only loss coming in the divisional round versus, excuse me, the NFC Championship game versus the San Francisco 49ers. So now with this injury, this allows Trey Lance to kind of gain some more leverage, right, from his position. Like they moved up to, and chose Trey Lance to be their quarterback. It did, at the, up until this point, it hadn't worked out. Now this is an opportunity for Trey Lance to showcase and show that he is the guy for the job. That's what I was saying, Fizz. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that, but it feels like that's like putting a wedding ring on her finger after one date. Like, we've seen so little from Trey Lance over the last four years. I'm not even talking about eight starts from the last two. You're right. This is a huge opportunity for him. I'm just saying, if I'm the 49ers, am I willing to bet my Super Bowl hopes on the opportunity that a quarterback that played eight games total over the last two years and then half of a game in college during the COVID process? Like, you're talking about basically no body of work and this whole time you're saying yeah but I really believe in those traits I really like that it's just wild to me to think that the 49ers who are so good in so many ways knowing that Brock Purdy would need everything to break right to even be ready at the beginning of the season like that to me that has to put him back in the quarterback market even if you love Trey Lance you can't risk a Super Bowl year on a quarterback that has so little proof of concept in my mind so here's the thing from from that perspective, do you think – well, they have to either draft someone else or bring somebody else in free agent-wise. And I couldn't assume that they're going to draft 
a quarterback. That would be three in what, the last two or three years? Right. That would be three quarterbacks in the last two or three years they would have drafted. So it has to be, in my eyes, I think someone who understands their system and knows their system. That's why I thought it was kind of ironic that Kyle Shanahan said that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be back on the team. I really thought that was ironic because of the situation that you're in at your quarterbacks. And Jimmy Garoppolo was in that situation, too, because he got hurt. But we know he's healthy now. Yeah, uh, I mean, if I'm Jimmy G and the 49ers, even if I hate each other, it's like – Again, you know, another dating analogy. It's like when let's two do, people well, stay let's together. Do another just, one year deal. Uh, uh, yeah, like just sometimes you stay together just for your kids. That's what I feel like at this point. Jimmy G and the 49ers are like, well, the kids need us to stay together for another year. Also, though, let me just <laughs> loudly point this out. San Francisco traded up with the Dolphins to get Trey Lance. And in order to do that, Miami walked away with the 12th pick in 2021, a first round pick in 2022 and 2023, and a third round pick in 2022. So three first rounders to draft Trey Lance, right? And people tell me that nobody's going to want to give up two first rounders for Lamar Jackson. Y'all have lost Mm. your damn mind. If Trey Lance, if the prospect of the possibility of Trey Lance as quarterback is worth three first rounders and now you want to tell me that a former unanimous MVP isn't worth two first rounders, you have seriously, like, you just got to stay off the weed at that point because, like, there is no way (laughs) in my mind that that is, like, I can't make the two compete. And if I'm the 49ers and I already gave up three first rounders for Trey Lance and it didn't bite me in the butt, if I got to give up two to give up Lamar, to get Lamar, perfect. Like, I'm if I'm the 49 if I'm John Lynch today and I run the 49ers, I am making any deal I can to get a proven quarterback back in that room well so here's the thing though I don't know if they can be in the market for a Lamar Jackson though because of the money that he's going to demand contract wise and you still have to pay Nick Bosa you you look at what George Kittle was making what Christian McCaffrey's making you just paid Debo Samuel as well so Lamar Jackson wouldn't fit into that category now you're now someone else on probably like a one-year deal you can go out and get someone that, that can be, you know, feasible. That might work, but I don't think Lamar Jackson would. Yeah, no, that's where it comes all comes back to Derek Carr. That's just the the constant conversation that will come back until he signs somewhere. Uh, every every single conversation will eventually tie back to all things Derek. Speaking of the quarterback situation and Lamar Jackson, will someone give him what he wants? I think not only do we know the answer, we know who it is. We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 